Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, I'm mixing and mastering engineer with Vortis Sound Studios and I'm joined by... Hello, my name is Joe Sage and I'm a producer and mix engineer at Nevis Audio. How you doing, mate? Um, good. Back back to a normal temperature <laughs> because this is Britain and we don't suffer heat waves for long. Yeah, it's... um. When you say normal temperature, it's gone straight back to winter up here. I'm I'm completely happy with this. <laughs> My natural habitat is winter. How are you, Jay? I'm all right, mate. I'm actually quite cold. I can't decide. I complain when it's too hot and I complain when it's too cold. Um, so it's an affliction called being northern. Complain. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that's generally it. Um, but yeah, man, I'm good. I'm really, really excited to get back in the studio because all dates have been confirmed now. So... Oh, yeah, it's count down to it. But um, but yeah, aside from that, the world's still bonkers. But you know, cracking on, <laughs> still alive. <laughs> so, what are we going to talk about today, mate? So this week we are talking about songwriting one hundred and one. If I'm going to give it a snappy title, so when you as a band um start to think about putting together an EP or doing some recording or anything like that you're going to need to sit and spend time songwriting so how do you go about that and everything to do with songwriting that's basically what we're talking about this week that's a very long-winded way of saying it yeah I'm going to kick things off with a very overarching thing rather than something direct and it's not something that I think a lot of bands consider but make goals for your songwriting mm. so I speak to songwriters all the time. I speak to bands all the time. Being a producer, half of the job is selecting the songs and helping them with the songwriting process. What I ask every band, if they send me a demo or they're about to write, is I say, well, what are your goals for your next single? So if a band sent me a demo and they say, uh, we want this to be our next single and we want it to, you know, chart or get in Spotify playlists or these specific ones. We want it to be on radio uh, and all these kind of things. Then my advice is going to be very different to if they turned around and said, yeah, well, actually, this is just going to be like our artistic piece. It's going to be on our EP. We're not really looking for it to be a single those two approaches will have two very different songwriting methods. Hmm. So I guess your goal for your music depends on what your purpose for it is. Um, yeah. I because... think it's really easy to be aimless in songwriting and just go, well, let's see what comes out on the other side of it. The more targeted and the more focused you are, even if that comes down to you know genre, we kind of want to aim to sound like this we want to have a song that is going to go directly on radio great that means realistically you're going to have to get to the chorus quickly and it's going to have to be a certain length mm. if you have those in mind before you get started it's a lot easier to do than working backwards at the end once the song is finished but what about people who say but joe my artistic integrity i i've <laughs> i've got a, a a dream a passion for my music and the way it sounds and i don't want it to be compromised by nasty evil radio and things like that then that's great because then your goals aren't as phil put it nasty evil evil radio <laughs> um i can think of two radio stations that i will not say that i count as nasty evil radio uh, <laughs> none of which play music anywho um yeah it's a totally different approach and both are fine 
I think the issue with me leading with one is that there's an assumption that writing radio ready, you know, singles that are going to appear on commercial radio are, you know, the preferred songwriting method. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm fine with either. I just tend to find that that's what people say they want. So if you want that, you need to aim for certain things. And again, Mm. like I said before, having a clear vision in mind is the best way to do it. Yeah, a good mindset to start your production process, I guess. Another thing um, that you need to think about, and this is something that I know Joe has said in this podcast before, so I'm sort of saying what he's probably about to say, um, is when you are sitting down to write, say, an EP, write many, 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 many more songs than you're going to use on that EP. And the theory behind this is... If you're working with a producer or even if you're just working by yourselves and you're about to release or you're trying planning on releasing, say, a four-track EP, if you have 20 to 25 songs to choose from, may sound like overkill, um, you're going to be really spot for choice. You're going to have loads of uh, good songs, hopefully, to choose from and to pick and choose. And that way you'll be able to choose the four that best represent what you want this EP to do, what those goals are. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think as well as having more options, songwriting is like a muscle. Mm. The more you do it, the better you're going to be. In theory, you could probably get away with playing guitar with five chords. That doesn't mean you're going to stop learning, stop growing, stop trying, because you go, oh, well, you know, I can I can do the basics. The same applies to songwriting. You might be able to do the basics, but the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Yeah. And I think when you have those songs to choose from um then if you're hiring a producer someone therefore outside of the band can listen to these tracks that you've written and will be a very objective ear and will try and match your goals to your songs that you've written and that's not to say that the songs won't get refined from there on in but there'll be a good kind of starting point to work from yeah your songs as well are your cv especially Mm. if you haven't released anything as your current project if you're looking for studios and producers and you want to convince someone you really really like to work with you the first thing they're going to ask for is to hear demos of the song so having a great song is a fantastic foundation not to mention as well i hear a lot of people that say but joe we're not really interested in recording right now we just want to play live well all i'll say is the best way to get great live gigs is to have great songs Mm. because I've come away from plenty of gigs where I've never heard of the band before and I've gone, oh my God, that song was amazing. And then I've gone and liked them on Facebook and we've talked about middle of funnel, blah, blah, blah. But you kind of stay engaged and you wait around and see if they've got stuff coming out in months to come. But again, yeah, there is no downside to writing great songs. Yeah. The the, the only potential downside is that it might be hard work, but they're, you know, boo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds harsh. Um, If you really care about your music, you're going to put time into it and you're going to spend time perfecting it. Yeah, I think there's somewhat of an issue where a lot of folklore, I think, surrounding songwriting is, you know, it's just this one person had an epiphany and it Mm. was that one song. They've only written one song in their entire (laughs) life and it was that. And you know what? Sometimes lightning does strike. I won't doubt that. But I would say the vast majority 
of people when they write great songs are those that have dedicated themselves to the craft of worked hard and put the long hours in. Like Rick Astley. What a, what a musician. <laughs> Sorry. Just came have to you mind. seen his covers on YouTube? I have not. He's done a cover of Foo Fighters on YouTube. Excellent. I'm going to go and hunt that down immediately. We'll put a link after. to that in the show notes. We Why will. Not? We will. I'm going to enjoy that for myself. I love a bit of Rick. <laughs> Don't we all? Um, I guess the next obvious question to ask is how do you actually write a song? <laughs> it sounds very foundational to this this episode, but there are so many potential ways of writing a song as a band or even as a band member. And you've got to work out what works for you as a band because there's going to be different approaches for different people. Yeah, I would say a great place to start out, especially in lockdown, is using something that we've referred to a lot before as the campfire test. So some people might be saying, oh, songwriting's all great, but I don't have an interface. I don't have monitors. I don't have a, you know, 48-channel Neve desk. How on earth am I going to do any songwriting? If you've got a phone, which to be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, you've got a phone, Mm. I would say get a voice note, get a guitar, your keyboard, whatever instrument you play, and just record the song live as a voice note on your phone. If the song sounds good, the recording quality doesn't have to be great, let's be honest, it won't be great, but you can send it to your bandmates, you can send it to your producer, and you're getting positive feedback, then you're on to a winner. The best thing about doing the campfire test and recording things on your phone is there's no way of hiding behind the production. So you can't get lost in reverbs and, uh, you know, delays and all these kind of production tricks. And you have to go, does the chorus work? Mm. Yes or no? There's a thing. It's why Nirvana's Unplugged is so great because although, you know, they're fantastic musicians and the production is great, the songs work really well acoustically because they're great songs. The same should apply to your music as well. Um, yes, it really should. Um, as Joe suggests, if a song sounds good when it is really stripped back and really simple, as soon as you're in the studio and you put all the production on it and you know you have loads of layers and things, it's just going to sound even better because um, production is there to make a good song, no, a great song sound even better. It's not there to help a bad song sound okay. Yeah, I think is it. Uh, I think it might be one of the Gallagher's. That they just said, yeah, the issue with uh, a lot of new bands is none of them can write a, a good mm, chorus. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, Insert word. But it's true. And I mm. think that is the one thing that I think a lot of bands miss out on is they get really stuck, especially I'd say in the rock genres are quite guilty of it, of getting really stuck into riffs and kick patterns and stuff like that. And that's all great. And like Phil said, if you add those layers in later and you really work on the production, then it's going to make a great song amazing. But you still have to have that foundational good sounding chorus or whatever section that you prioritize in the first place. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you as a musician probably have your own ways and means of capturing your kind of raw ideas your bits of song i know that for me and i imagine for joe as well you're walking along you're you're happily going on your way and then suddenly just a bit of 
tune out of nowhere just pops into your head and it's not really anything it's just kind of come out of the ether this happens to me anyway um and then i tend to grab my phone and try and surreptitiously hum it and sing it or whatever it is um just to capture the idea in the moment and then you can take those pieces and work with them there's a scientific study and i think it shows that your brain is most creative when you're distracted Hmm. So I think for that exact same reason, um, Einstein had a job in a post office because it allowed him to have, you know, a really menial job. And then the creative part of his brain kicked in for the same reason that everyone gets, you know, ideas in their shower or when they're going for a walk or when they're in the car. Because it's when you least expect it, these ideas can hit you. Like we were talking before, if you have voice notes, that's a great way to get started. Mm. But then other bands might find that they excel in different ways of songwriting. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the common one, especially in the band context, is the quote-unquote jam, where <laughs> someone just starts something and then you end up kind of writing a song just kind of almost by creativity and chance more than anything else. Um, so a really good example of this is Deep Purple. Um, love a bit of 70s rock but they are the ultimate we came up with this song after jamming band nearly all their songs are written that way um there's a great song black knight um if you know it uh that was written in 10 minutes in the studio <laughs> because they just needed a song and it was after they'd gone to the pub and they just started jamming and they came up with this great song so that can work for people as well i've been in bands before where we've written songs in jams and i'd like to counter your point with most of them have been dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> they have been mostly, I would say, eight-minute guitar solos, <laughs> <laughs> roughly in the pentatonic scales. <laughs> um, that's not to say it doesn't work for other people. Um, I've just tend to find that I, I tend to do better with the campfire method. But that aside, one problem you can run into with those jam sessions is that you can go, oh my God, yeah, that that was amazing. How did it go again? Right, yeah, did it go like this? Did it go like that? That's what I would recommend. And I mean, I, I used to say get one of those Zoom mobile recorders, but now your voice notes will do it. Mm. Find a good place in your rehearsal room and set a voice note going. Yes, you're not going to be able to release it on Spotify, <laughs> but... If you record the entire rehearsal, you can go back, especially if you're jamming, you're improvising, go, how did that feel go again? What's that section like? You can review it. Maybe if we try cutting out this bit, cutting out that bit, you can even throw it in some editing software and try and like chunk out sections and form it into a song. But yeah, I'd say at absolute minimum, try and avoid the situation where you're going, how does that song sound again? It also... Furthermore, avoid a situation where, like Phil said, if you've had a few scoops and a bit worse for wear, and you go, <laughs> oh my God, that is the best song in the world. It means you can listen back to it the following morning and go, I will never drink and play guitar again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe's jo- right. Recording it is essential because that's the way you can... Um pick out the gems from the dregs, shall we say. Because <laughs> sometimes gems are amazing and sometimes they're like, mm, this this tiny little melody was really nice and then the rest of it's rubbish. Um, You've used the liberal use of the word sometimes there. <laughs> very liberal. Um, 
So as we've mentioned in other episodes, we'd really, really love it if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because it helps us, it helps more people find it, and we get to help more people. So yeah, if you could do that, we'd be mega appreciative. Happy fun times. On with the rest of the podcast. On with the podcast. Um, now, you've got this song, you've got, you know, these bits, you've got verses and choruses and blah, blah, blah. Um you need to then work out what the arrangement of the song will be. And, you know, you will, when you've put the song together and you've recorded it, say, on a voice note, you've probably got some kind of structure. But I would say don't hold tightly onto it as going, this is how it goes and it will never change. <laughs> <laughs> be prepared to allow other people to change the structure, including band members and producers if you're working with them. Yeah, I would say... A really important thing with a song is to build an arc mm. and you've got to allow your song to get you from point a to point b and in the middle kind of go through different sections and different journeys in the time that i've especially during lockdown where i've been doing pre-production with a lot of bands that have say been making home demos or i'm hearing a lot of jams it goes from point a to point a via point a <laughs> <laughs> The songs are, yeah, it's this really cool, big riff at the start. And then that goes on for three and a half minutes and the song ends. <laughs> if you listen to great songs, there's always an element of highs and lows. It's peaks and troughs. And the one bit of advice that I would give is a lot of people go, right, okay, well, we've got this big section and now we're coming up to the chorus and we now need to make that even bigger. That is a very difficult task to do. Yeah. I would do subtractive production. So if you've got a big section that you want to massively stand out, you know, you've discussed it with your producer, you've sat down and you set your goals, say if it's a, just for the sake of ease, it's a song you want to do really well on the radio. You've got this big chorus, the final chorus is your magnus opus it's the main part of the song <laughs> i would look at the part beforehand and look at what you can take away to make that final section really leap out i think it's much more easier to do that than it is to go crap will a tambourine lift this section i, <laughs> I don't know and just throwing things at a wall and seeing what sticks yeah just right i mean i think maybe this is just me and my biases but the the bands who kind of really get that and get that kind of production element tend to be like the big, I hate to always use the word, stadium rock bands. They get the idea of building um, the feeling and building the momentum and then bringing it down to build it back up again. Because as Joe says, if you start on a high and then end on a high and it's just a high all the way through, <laughs> it's going to all sound quite low and sound quite boring ultimately yeah i think you you almost want to have them sections where you make people turn their headphones or their speakers up and then you can smack them with an even bigger section mm. it's it's quite an odd experience i think to do for the first time but just go through your sections that aren't your biggest section whether that can that can sometimes be a solo for some people that can sometimes be a chorus Look at the sections before and just start muting stuff. So that might be, I mean, classic trope, the second verse, bass, drums and vocals only. I can't think of any more class, anything more 
classic rock than that where you just mute the guitars and then they come back in for the chorus you could even have elements like okay well maybe we're not going to have any lead guitars in the pre-chorus and then the lead guitars come in for that big section but yeah go through and look at muting certain sections rather than trying to add stuff to what's already there yeah exactly that the the um subtractive production is a great phrase that i've never really heard before um so I've I've heard of the technique, but I've never heard of the phrase. It's a great one. Anything anyone would think I'm a producer, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Um, I think it's a great idea. And if you're thinking about hiring a producer, um, if you, as a band, when you're writing, try and build in some of these ideas, and then when you present it to the producer, um, hopefully they will just be able to lift the song even further if you kind of take these ideas before you hire that person. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. I think is the best way to put that. <laughs> so, Joe, you mm-hmm. are approached by a band and they're, I don't know, they're an indie band. Why not? <laughs> it's always an indie band. And they say, we want a big single. Mm-hmm. What should the overall structure of that song be? Well, <laughs> firstly, I would say, can I hear the demos of the songs that you've written? It's a good start. I think hmm, it's sometimes difficult, and this is speaking, you know, strictly from my shoes, to give quite broad advice. It's a lot easier when you're approaching a producer and you will get a lot more out of the experience if you present them with song ideas that they can then give you feedback on rather than just, you know, um, uh, I want to sound like you know oh oh, i want a single that's going to be on radio it's the equivalent of kind of say going to a football coach and going i want to be great at football right but if you go to someone and say i really want someone to help me with my free kicks then someone go great yes okay i know how to help you with that so i think having demos is a really great place to start when you're talking to a producer and asking them to help you craft a song because I think there's a massive element as well of, as a producer, you're there to guide. You're not co-songwriting because then mm. that's songwriting. It's a very different. I feel like that's an entirely different craft in itself. Yeah. So, Joe, let me phrase that again. <laughs> um, a bit, an indie band comes to you and says, "We would like a big single on the radio. Here is our demo." And what they've got is someone playing an acoustic guitar. It sounds great. What could a producer do or what would you do to maybe think about refining that song and turning it into something a bit more polished? Yeah, okay. So one thing I would definitely look at, and I mean, these aren't, you know, apply to all. Mm. These are just some of the things that even this week I've had conversations with and they tend to crop up quite a lot, is when does the chorus come in? That's a big one. Yeah, You tend to find if someone's saying, you know, we want something on the radio, if your chorus is coming in after a minute, I I think you need to start looking at refining your song structure. Um, Same with kind of just making sure that the song moves quite quickly. I think one issue that runs in quite a lot is that verses can be really long or you have these very extended intros. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against them. Like, I love, I mean, I love classical music. That (laughs) stuff goes on for hours. 
and <laughs> Wagner's ring cycle wasn't just getting to the chorus quickly anytime soon. Come on, Wagner, get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> but great irony as I'm taking ages to explain this point. I would say the whole old adage of don't bore us, get to the chorus is quite important. Same with getting vocals in as well. Mm. I think there's a stat somewhere on Spotify, I read it ages ago, that like if people don't hear the vocals within a few seconds or a motif that grabs them, they skip. So I think there needs to be an element of something that immediately grabs the listener. And usually that tends to be vocals. Mm. Purely it's a human thing where we're all immediately drawn to that. Um, other tips I can think of is, and I mean, this is more of a production thing, but it's definitely something to have in mind, is have a sound in the first few seconds of your chorus that me- that means everyone can immediately go, oh, great, that's that song. It's for the reason why everyone can recognize their favorite songs pretty much immediately, because there are these signature sounds that make you go, oh, or alternatively, there's the first line of the lyrics in the first few seconds that make you go oh great yep that's that song i'm going to turn the radio up i'm going to turn spotify up etc could you give like specific examples of signature sounds in choruses that people could listen to and know exactly what you mean i wouldn't say in choruses i'd say in intros okay i thought you said and the thing is i'm going to give some really bad examples because i've not thought of this in advance I would say go find your favourite songs, especially in the pop. And, you know, if you are talking about getting on radio, go and listen to, like, Dua Lipa. Go even listen to, you know, the great Max Martin worked on. Oh, yes. um, the classic Britney Spears stuff. Like, Oops, I Did It Again. You know within a second of what that song is. And I can see Phil smirking oh, at yes. me because it's probably the last example he would no, think No, no, I love that song got that cd <laughs> wouldn't you bet you don't know that <laughs> but i think the point stands whether you like or dislike that song everyone knows that bang bang oh yeah 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 <laughs> exactly i'd also like to point out that's that vocal bit wasn't me <laughs> um so yeah i would say go and listen to other songs the the thing about songwriting is you tend not to have a critical head on when you're listening to songs mm. so you just kind of absorb stuff and you go oh yeah that's great and you see it like as a bird's eye view whereas one bit of advice i'd tell people who are looking into songwriting is i'd say get a notepad go find a good playlist or songs that you really like i mean i'm going to come on to influences in a second when it comes to songwriting and actually make notes of what they do yes so whether that be okay this dua lipa song that got number one and a billion streams worldwide got to the chorus by this time or you look at a string of singles that you find as an influence and you go when did the vocals come in like these things of you don't obviously don't have to tailor your songs exactly to that but i think it informs the songwriting process mm. quite a lot and you can work out what the commonalities are so if there's three or four pop songs or charting songs or whatever that you really like what is the commonality among them what have they all done that works because humans um tend to like things that they already sort of recognize there's this real psychological element to songwriting where people love the novel and the new and things like that but people also love things that remind them in subtle ways of things and that can include things like song structure but it also can include specific elements joe have you have ever heard of that i believe it's called the millennial whoop 
Yes. Yes, that's a big thing. So there were, what was that, maybe 10 years ago now? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. There were nearly every pop song, nearly every kind of famous song going had kind of, uh, I don't even know how to describe them, like noises. <laughs> yeah. Woes, Go on YouTube and Woes and oohs and things like that. And they were, they were the, that was the main hook. Um, so there's going to be things that you're going to work out if you kind of analyze songs um, that you want to try, essentially, in your music. Yeah, and I think as well, like other examples are, um, it was quite big. It, it's one of the ones that's come in and out quite a lot. It's not really phased out entirely. It's Sprechtesung, which is the art of talking singing, which I can't think of any specific examples right now, but I think everyone kind of knows what I'm talking about. Um, other ones have been like uh, almost like that, nursery rhyme kind of vocal melody right in so examples of that are the um what's that charlie xcx song um Don't fancy that she did with iggy azalea that kind of has got like a whole schoolyard kind of nursery rhyme chant similar as well with a lot of uh especially pop rock stuff they kind of almost have like football terraces in mm. mind for for how they write write songs that's often you know one of the reference points i'm given when someone sends me a demo and they kind of go yeah we want this to kind of be a song you could sing on the terraces and you go okay cool that that means that there's a reference for tempo and it needs to the melody needs to be singable by a large crowd so it can't be too busy it's got to be within a certain range and that's why i think having influences and making notes of these things and transcribing other songs learning how to play them will inform your songwriting and ultimately make you a better songwriter yeah absolutely i just want to spend a moment speaking to um can i put it as my crowd um, <laughs> <laughs> your people my people <laughs> The, the those who love rock and metal and in, in rock and metal bands and are there going, oh man, I, it just sounds so commercial being you know all pop and everything like that. If I can put it delicately, you don't have to quote unquote sell out to make a good song. Pop music means literally it is popular, <laughs> so uh, it's it's taking things that that a large crowd of people are going to enjoy. And there are ways and means of writing that without selling out. <laughs> so I think an absolute master of this, if you would like one example, is Tremonti. So he's the guitarist from Alterbridge, also Creed, um, if you like your 90s music. Um, but he's got a solo kind of project called Tremonti. Um, they're about three or four albums in. And he is an absolute master of writing a three-minute very heavy song that's layered with melody and harmony but is also very heavy but is also taking that structure that we've been talking about and bringing high moments and bringing low moments before the high moments to emphasize them so yeah if you just want an an example that is gonna be more maybe palatable (laughs) to some of you that is a great way to go yeah i even think as well if you're looking to be more progressive in terms of your songwriting style you know you might kind of go oh well, we want to do eight minute long instrumental stuff which is you know it's the total other end of the spectrum <laughs> to write in a pop song however you want to put it i still think all the same rules apply but you now just need to shift your references to um to more progressive styles so 
I think, if anything, it's an even more difficult art form to write an eight-minute song that's engaging. You need to have a lot more peaks and troughs, and you really need to kind of carefully work on your structure to keep people engaged. So I tell people, like, go look at bands like Snarky Puppy. Go look at their studio sessions and where they write, you know, eight-minute, ten-minute long songs that have, like, these big builds and big resolutions and keep people engaged they're not just going from a to a whilst maintaining at <laughs> a they kind of have these sections where people drop out and they bring new people in and yet it's got to move in the same way but you just have to change who your influences are if that makes sense mm. it's exactly right you've got to look at the the commonalities of successful bands and artists in the kind of music that you're wanting to be in and you're about that doesn't mean constrict yourself to the genre that you are doing yeah i think it's, it's the equivalent of like you know if beethoven went dun 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 dun, dun <laughs> and then did that for eight and a half minutes <laughs> that's exciting <laughs> you'd have to you have to have peaks and drops no matter what style of music you are. Yeah. You have to have that arc. And a really apt point to finish this podcast would be finish songs. It's a more difficult discipline than people give credit for, but actually finish the songs that you're writing. It's a discipline in itself to take songs that you feel a bit meh about maybe the morning after and go and finish them. Even if you don't think they're going to turn into anything, the ability to finish a song is as important as being able to start writing songs. Mm. I would say, you know, it's a massive issue where people go, oh, okay, well, I've got this huge riff, but I, I, don't, I haven't written a chorus. Well, go write a chorus. <laughs> it doesn't matter if the chorus is awful, at least go and do it. Because then... When you do it the next time, you'll be better at writing a chorus and be better at song structure and you will get better over time. The only way of getting better is actually doing it. Yeah. Don't slack. <laughs> no. <laughs> that sounds harsh. Don't, just don't kind of sit on songs and go, oh, well, I don't like it. Finish it and then the next song you write will hopefully be better because, as Joe says, the more songs you write, the better you will be. And it is like a muscle that needs to be exercised. Um, and part of that exercise is finishing a song. <laughs> cool. So this week's featured song is by the band Alpha Signal, and this is their song, Milking a Dead Man. So until next time, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye from him.